Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen? How do I make money for my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match with you great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I use Anchor in a simple matter. I take my podcast episodes, edit them in Premiere, upload them to Anchor and schedule them and set my tags and my description, all that good stuff. Just sit back and let it distribute to all the platforms. It's very simple and very easy to use and very user-friendly. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Let's go. This is the Chase in the Frame podcast, where we interview people in the TV and film industry, talking about their journey, how they got to where they are today. We do this podcast for the frame chasers. This is for those in the film industry, going hard, let them know who we are. Frame chasers, we're, we're not chasing the fame, no, no. Tell them what we do. Chasing the Frame. This is the Chasing the Frame podcast with your host, John DeMarco. Let's go. What up, Frame Chasers? It's Wednesday and you already know what it is. A new episode of Chasing the Frame. Today is episode 73. Today I'm also with Anthony Pagliero. Said it correct? Yes. Uh, He is a professional mixed martial artist. He's a personal trainer, actor, nutritionist, also an author of his, a new book, uh, Life Force Story of a No One to Someone, Life of Anthony. Uh, that is on Amazon.com. Uh, you can find that right now. I believe it's free, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Sweet. That and is then, correct. Yes. And before we get into the show, we have to take care of our own stuff, which is our own housekeeping. So first, we have to thank our affiliate partners, Artlist.io. Artlist is a wonderful platform for music, so if you're doing any type of project, they have thousands of new songs every day. And unlimited downloads, so you can find that special song for your project. And if you sign up today in our description below, you get a year plus two months uh, free, extra free. Um, and that's Artlist.io, an inspiring music licensing platform created by filmmakers for filmmakers. Second, we have merch for you at teespring.com slash stores slash chasing dash the dash frame. Not only are we selling uh, t-shirts, but we're selling hashtag frame chaser mask for $10. Honestly, it's a very comfy cloth mask, and uh, you can be stylish on set and be a frame chaser. Third, guys, check out Production Apparel. We have an affiliate with them now as well, and we can... They have awesome shirts, basically like for uh, sound or camera, even writers as well. They have shirts for, and they have awesome wrap uh, gifts for you guys if you're doing productions as well. You can get some wrap gear for your production. And then, last but not least, it's time that we ask for you to donate to the Church of the Frame. Three ways to donate: PayPal.me/slash/TTFpodcast. That's a one-time donation. Two: Patreon, five dollar a month membership, which allows you to get early access to. Uh, audio and visual content a week before it airs, and three in the description below on our YouTube videos are links to our cryptocurrencies that you can send it to us, and that goes to our trust wallet, so uh, we have that option as well for you guys. And then last but not least, please like our Facebook page as well, and subscribe to our YouTube page, 
too. Uh, let's get going, guys, and let's chase frames. So, Anthony, first question I ask everyone on the podcast is, where are you from originally? I'm originally from upstate New York. Okay, where in upstate New York? Because I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> so, I'm originally from uh, Kingston, New York, which is outside of Albany. Okay, I've never been there. Is that by the Catskills at all? I'm kind of like thinking of um give or take probably like an hour two hours away yes okay, okay. yeah I've, I've been there and i've been to uh, niagara falls and shit um and the second question for you is now you're a mixed martial artist and you're an actor so i'll ask you in this two-part two-part two question but who is that mixed martial artist that kind of got you wanting to do that one and two who is the actor director movie uh tv show that made you want to do acting so Mixed martial artist, I can answer that question. Um, one of the all-time favorites who, if he was alive right now, would be dominating UFC or anywhere else he would be fighting. Um, and that's definitely Bruce Lee. Okay. Um, his outlook on you know mixed martial arts, his outlook on life. Um, he was very calm, very collected, um, very talented in, in, in everything. So I, that's why I've kind of looked up to him, mm -hmm. and I still do. Um, part of my book is based, you know, of his knowledge and his, his, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? His quotes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, as far as acting, there's not really one person that I, I could say that really got me into it. I kind of just dabbled in it. Okay. Um, being an extra and, you know, background work and just kind of took off from there. Gotcha. Gotcha. There wasn't a movie that like said, oh man, I kind of want to do it. Or even Bruce Lee kind of in a sense, would maybe inspire you in a weird way because, I mean, he made, not weird way, but, like, in a in a unique way because he did make those movies as well. Like, uh, what was it? Is it uh, Fist of Fury? You know, you have Enter the Dragon, obviously, which is, like, uh, the basis for a lot of martial arts movies in general as well, like Mortal Kombat video games. Um, mm -hmm. Phenomenal movie, too. Uh, and I'm, I'm blanking out on other Bruce Lee movies, sadly enough. Oh, The Game of Death, um, or Game of Death, right? Um, so, yeah, so. Correct. What, what's your favorite Bruce Lee movie at that? Um, if I would have to say, if I, yeah, if I had to pick one person that, since you kind of explained it that way, I would have to say, well, of course, Bruce Lee, but you might laugh, but I would have to say Jean Claude Van Damme. I'm not laughing about that because he has some pretty good movies in the 80s. <laughs> like, I actually own, I own, uh, uh, The Quest. As much as people don't like that movie, it's actually decent. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like Bloodsport 2.0, I always say. <laughs> and even, yes, and very even, much. <laughs> and what was it? Um, Sudden Death is another John claude Van Damme movie I actually love. <laughs> my, I would have to say my all-time favorite was uh, Kickboxer. Oh, Kickboxer's good, too. Uh, all, what about not blood, I like how we didn't pick Bloodsport at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody knows him for that, so of course, you know, someone's going to say it, but I would have to say Kickboxer was my one of my favorites. Uh, yeah, that, that's a good one, too. I mean, they all kind of blend together, too, at the same time after a while, and like, wait, which one did I watch today? <laughs> uh, what was the one? Yep, I, exactly. Yeah, there's there's one I just saw, I found out about, I think it's called Never, Give, Never Surrender or something like that, Never Retreat, Never Surrender or some shit. I need to watch this movie because I saw the music video for it and I didn't know John claude Van Damme was in this movie and it was apparently his first role, I believe. And he plays like a Russian. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, now I'm like, this is this is what I need to watch. 
Have you seen that? <laughs> I have not. I've, I've been seeing a lot of previews. Um, I'm friends with him on fa- or on Instagram, so I follow all of his upcoming movies, all his upcoming you know platforms. He's kind of kicked back from making movies. He's done more of the like uh, cameos yeah. in movies now. He's not really do producing or, or yeah. in movies a lot now. That's very true. I think what was the last thing I think I saw him in like uh, besides Kickboxer, the retail like those newer sequels. Was I think Expendables was his last biggest role that I know of, or the second one, right? Um, also the the Universal Soldier too. Oh yeah, that that as well. But, but wasn't Kurt Russell in that, or am I thinking of another one? He was. So. No, he was. Yeah. Okay, now I'm confused. <laughs> so, so, I didn't know. <laughs> I gotta like look into that more now. Shit. So um. All right, so let's start the show a little bit more now into this as well. So when did you fall in love with Bruce Lee, like in the sense of his quotes and all that stuff? How, how old were you? Were you doing taekwondo? Did you do karate because of that stuff like that, starting off that way? Um, Believe it or not, well, being from upstate New York and being from New York, you have to learn how to protect yourself, um, you know, going through certain neighborhoods, mm-hmm. growing up, you know, of course. Um my biological father, I had, I would have to say, had a big part of that. Mm. Um, he first started in with me with taekwondo and karate. Yeah. Um, and then after doing that for a while, I think it would have probably be around the age of, I would say like 10 or 11. I started, you know, watching martial arts movies, really getting into it and studying. Um, and that's when I fell in love with Bruce Lee. And ever since then, I've just, I've never backed down. Do you, do you do Jeet Kune Do? Jeet Kune, Jeet Kune Do? Oh my God, I can't pronounce it today. Jeet Kune Do. Yeah, Jeet Kune Do, right? Jeet yeah. Kune Do? Yeah. Do you do that? I do not, no. Oh, okay, I was wondering. <laughs> um, okay, so you're 10, <laughs> you're doing all this stuff, and then when do you start getting into the mixed martial arts part of that? Um, Believe it or not, it was after, well, actually say during and a little bit after uh, I was in the service. Mm. Um, I got stationed in Utah. Okay. And I decided to go to a gym, and the gym there was a uh, MMA gym, but I was just using, you know, the weightlifting part, the cardio part. And the coach that was there actually came up to me and says, "Hey, I notice you're doing a lot of movements, a lot of things that you know we do in, in MMA." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" And he started explaining it to me. I was like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, you know, I took a couple lessons here and there. I've done this." He goes, "Well, did you ever think about really getting into it? You know, fighting?" Yeah. And I'm like. I really don't want to get kicked and punched in the face. Because I'll just give it a try. <laughs> so I started taking classes with him privately. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started going to the classes. And he came up to me and goes, hey, you, you know, you want to try fighting now? I'm like, no, let me just, you know, I love the classes. I love the, you know, the, the, the benefit of it. Yeah. He goes, and he says, uh, well, come back to me whenever you feel ready. Or come back to me in a month and let's try it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I blew it off. Yeah. Um, three months after that, he comes up to me again. Hey, do you want to try it? And I was like, you know what? Let's do it. Yeah. And my thought was maybe if I do it and get it over with, he won't bug me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so he's all right. You know, get geared up, go in the cage and then, and we'll start fighting. I'm like, yeah. well, who am I fighting? He goes, you're fighting me. Oh. And I'm like, whoa, wait, 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 hold on. Hold on a minute. You're the coach. I don't know. I'm, I'm good on that. <laughs> so we went in there. And, uh, I, I, you know, we did only, only did one round, but that one round, I, 
I hate to admit this, and I know a lot of fighters probably don't, but after that round, I broke down in tears. Why? I mean, my adrenaline was rushing. Yeah. I just, I, you know how certain people that get angry, they get upset, they get depressed, yeah. they get stressed. That was just my way of releasing all of that wow. frustration, all of that yeah. anger being in the cage. And uh, he comes up to me after that, you know, calming me down, talking to me. And he goes, you know what? You should fight. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you know, I kind of enjoyed it. And it was a good, you know, stress reliever. Yeah. And it, it's a lot of work and a lot of patience. But yeah, why not? Mm. And then ever since then, I've just, I've never, like I said, I've never backed down. I've never stopped. Yeah. Uh, are you more of a uh, striker or are you like to go for the takedowns and the rear naked choke holds and all that stuff? Arm bars. I hate to, or should I say, I hate to use these words, but I'd rather make you my bitch than knock you out. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I, I appreciate that honesty. I appreciate it. <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> well, as long as you make people your bitch, that's that's what matters. Um, so yes. So then, after you did that with your coach, when was your first fight? How long did that take before your first fight? Or how long was it until your first fight? I mean, um, my first fight after that was probably about six months later. Okay. Um, it was an amateur fight. Um, you know, of course, you have to start amateur before you go pro. Yeah. And I did that first fight. Um, I won. It was for a rear naked choke. Mm-hmm. And then I went on to lose two more after that. And then I won my next seven. Oh, wow. Um, and then he's all, hey, you, you want to you step up now? You want to, you know, you want to go to the pros? And uh, I said, you know what? I love this, and I, I love the fighting. I love the family aspect of it. I love the patience. I love just everything about it. Mm-hmm. I was like, why not? Yeah. And uh, so I had my first pro fight, and a lot of people don't know this, but the, the guy I went against, um, his, name was, his name was Thiago Alves. Um, he was originally from Brazil, and apparently he was 0-0 and was making his pro debut here in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked him up and I couldn't find anything on him, you know, him being from Brazil. Yeah. So come fight night, I found out and my coach did a little research. He was actually 16 and 0 in Brazil. Wow. No and so they lied about his record. They lied about where he was, you know, his pro debut, this and that. Mm. But I actually went two rounds with him and nobody thought I was going to last that long. Mm. So I just, I just love the whole aspect. Yeah. Question: Like, what, what, um, like, what were the feelings you had your first amateur, your first amateur fight, and were they the same feelings you had for your pro fight? I now I know you said the guy was oh and no, but lied about it, and like you kind of found out later, like basically close to game time, that he's sixteen and oh, you're like oh shit, like I guess the nerves are a little bit different at that moment. But <laughs> leading up to that point, what, were your nerves the same for? Are your nerves the same for every fight? Like, what are your nerves like? What's your, like, mentality going into things? I mean, obviously, you want to win, but, like, do you get nervous? Do you get, like, are you, like, adrenaline-filled? How? What's your body going through? You know what I mean? Like, what's that whole process for you? So, amateur fighting is a lot different than the pros. Mm-hmm. Um, my first amateur fight, I was shaking. I was nervous. Yeah. I had to say I did the, the eight-mile throw-up in the bathroom. <laughs> well, you lost yourself. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> um, eventually, you just get to that point where 
yes, you're still nervous. You're always going to be nervous. Mm. I always say when you stop being nervous, you should stop fighting. Mm. Um, you never know the outcome. You never know what's going to happen. You could break a leg, break an arm, you know, not wake up. Yeah. You know, that, that's happened a couple of times. Um, so, but my first pro fight, yes, the nerves were a little more intense after I found out of his record. Um, but I was more, I was a little bit calmer, but at the same time, I was still nervous, but I learned, I knew how to control it. Gotcha. Also, how, how does one go from, you know, amateur to pro? Like, is it, is, do you need a certain amount of fights under your belt or is it like three, like you, I think you said you had uh two fights or three fights and then you had, you went seven on a tear for seven straight wins. So that seems about like what you went, uh, eight or nine and two or something like that. If I did my math correctly. Uh, eight and three. Eight and three. Okay, I was close. But like, so, and then how, how'd you get to pro? Is like you need a certain amount of fights under your belt or is it just like I can just go pro whenever? Um, a lot of people think they can do three amateur fights and go pro. Mm. Um, if you have a good coach and you have a good team, um, good training, mm. your coach or your manager will tell you, hey, I think it's time that you step up to the pros or, Hey, I think it's time that you move on. Yeah. And it's ultimately your decision. Okay. I mean, you can have one amateur fight, you can have two amateur fights and go pro, but it's all up to you. I mean, yeah. you can go pro right away. Oh, okay. Um, most States. Yeah. Most States you have to have an amateur background, but you can also make that decision on your own. Unless you're from Brazil and you can lie about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, what uh, also like I I I don't know much about like the whole fighting world so I'm asking all these questions too but like also what is like the like I guess not prep time but like the downtime in the sense of you know between fights like how many months do you have between is it usually six months is it a year because I know UFC does usually fights every what six months or something like that or every month or I don't even know what UFC does anymore. So amateurs, um, you can fight as often and as much as you want. Mm. Um, turning pro, you have to have three months in between. Okay. Gotcha. Did now when you did those, when you went eight and three in the amateur, uh, in the amateur, did you go constant or did you have breaks at all? Did you, your, how's your body? <laughs> when, I f <laughs> when I first started, mm. it was pretty much back to back. I was fighting pretty much almost every month. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, you know what? I can't do this. I need time to, you know, go to work, make some money because yeah. as, as an amateur, you don't make money. The only thing you make is your ticket sales. Mm. So you're not really making a lot. You're just doing it for the, you know, for the record, yeah. for the, for the background, um, getting the training and stuff. Um, pros, you have to do three months and that's one month of recovery, one month of training. And then, you know, the last month is usually your, you know, weight gaining, weight loss or getting prepped for the fight. Yeah. And is there well also there seems like too let me ask if i'm correct on this but it's a different training regimen it seems like for pro in the sense of like wait i like i kind of hmm, hold on i have to figure out how to word this question correctly if i'm if i'm asking it but it's basically i'm trying to ask is the training regimen different for each fight or do you kind of keep a constant training regimen for everything in the sense of like uh, if you're watching tape on someone and they're more of like this than the other guy, do you change around your workouts or your sparring and all that stuff? Or do you kind of, you know, this is what I do. I keep to my, my, my way of doing things in a sense. Oh no, definitely not. 
Um, your manager, your coach is the one that does the homework. Yeah. The only thing you are supposed to do is train. Yeah. If the coach wants you to do something, you do it because yeah. he knows who you're going against. He knows what the process is going to be or how the fight's going to go. So if the guy is going to be, you know, a ground guy like like I am, mm. of course, we're going to do a little, little more stand up and a little more defense. Mm. If the guy is a stand up guy, we're going to do, you know, a little more attacking and, and mm. going to the groundwork. Yeah. So it's ultimately up to your coach and to your team. And you just sit back and you do the training. Gotcha. Um, amateurs is the same concept. You don't train as much because you can't do as much. Yeah. So I would say maybe two hours a day compared to, to when I'm a pro, I'm doing like, you know, four to five, sometimes six hours a day. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, other question too is what was your favorite amateur fight? And then I'll ask you what's your favorite pro fight after that. But think about that one. That's a good question. Um, amateur fight, I would, you know, honestly, I would have to say my first fight. Mm-hmm. Um, it really showed me what I'm capable of, what I am mentally capable of, um, how much of a push, how much I can train. Um, as far as pro fight, it might sound crazy, but I think my, my favorite fight with that one was against a guy named Judd Marshall. Um, he knocked me out that fight, but I think I learned more from that fight than any other fight that I've ever had. What, Um, what did you learn from that? So with him, <clears throat> he was a striker, mm-hmm. and we tried to change up the, the, you know, my coach tried to change up the regiment saying, hey, this guy's a striker. I want you to throw with him. Okay. And I'm like, uh, uh, okay. So, you know, we did a lot more striking, a lot mm-hmm. more Muay Thai, a lot more kickboxing, and we threw, threw blows back and forth. And I, I took, you know, put, took punches, took kicks, and it was just pure adrenaline, and it was a lot more thinking, mm-hmm. a lot more, you know, um, crazy-paced. Yeah. A lot more pushing myself, you know, really using my heart and yeah. throwing everything I could. So I think I, that's why I learned so much from that fight is seeing how far I could actually push myself. Gotcha. And also, like, what is the psychology in the ring that you're thinking? Are you thinking? I'm, I'm hope, I'm hoping and guessing that I'm correct here. But are you thinking like seven moves ahead of the guy? Are you thinking like how many scenarios are running through your head? That's like. Like, oh, my God, like, it, it must be, it's so fast, I'm guessing, that you're just thinking of all these scenarios. Am I correct there? <laughs> you are correct. Um, so, with jujitsu, you're always learning or thinking three moves ahead. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. With um, fighting, yeah. it's always the same thing. He, he throws, you know, he throws one punch, what three punches are, gonna, are you going to throw? If he throws this punch, you're going to block with this one and throw this one. It's Yeah, you're always look, looking at least three to seven ahead. Gotcha. Nice. Correct. Uh, so, all right, so going back to your MMA and your pro, now you're doing those fights. Now, when do you start getting that acting bug then? Or is that before MMA as well? When does that fall into place? No, actually, it was during my MMA. Okay. Um, my brother has been doing standing work, extra work, background work for a long time. Um, and I actually went back home to see, you know, my mom who lives in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you know, that's where Albuquerque, uh, Albuquerque Studios is. Yeah. So he's like, hey, you know, I know you're here on vacation. I know you're here on, you know, taking your time off and that. He goes, but you want to come to a movie with me and get in the background? And I'm like, sure, why not? Yeah. And I got on the set. And it was the movie with uh, Magnificent Seven. 
Okay, nice. With Ethan Hawke and Chris Pratt. Yeah. Yep. And I just, I fell in love with it. Mm. I just, I fell in love with the atmosphere. You meet so many people. Um, and I hate to admit being in the spotlight is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just a whole different, different atmosphere being on, you know, being in a movie compared to being, being a fighter and being on TV. What do you like better? Let me ask you that. That's now here's the t- that's the toughest question probably all day. What do you like better, fighting or mm. acting? <laughs> you can plead the fifth. I'll give you that. I'll give you that uh, option as well. <laughs> Honestly, I love them both and I enjoy both of them. But if I really had to pick one, I would say fighting. Okay. I think that's my my calmness, my my collecting, my my patient time that I love to do. All right. Nice. <laughs> Uh, so you did the Magnificent Seven. Going back to your acting, though, you did the Magnificent Seven. Now that must have been fun because you kind of dress up in like the old west like stuff, and that's even especially as your first like background extra. I feel like that'd be a really cool like thing to do, especially like first time because it's like, oh man, I'm dressing up in the old west, got some like old west timey stuff on. This is really exciting. So what did you do after Magnificent Seven? When what do you what do you, what was your plans after that? Like, all right, I'm gonna take acting classes now. I'm gonna keep doing stand stand uh, extra work. What was it? Where'd you go? Believe it or not, I always I, I've always had my faith. And yes, I know you want to work for things. You always want to work to your goals. But mm-hmm. to me, I thought it was just a one time thing. Gotcha. Um, I loved it. I enjoyed it. And, but after that, the agent actually called me and said, Hey, they really liked you and they want you to do some more films. They want you to do some more background work. And I was like, okay, you know, just let me know when and where. And yeah. so I just let the, the agent do the work and I just, I've been following it ever since. What Now you're, you said agent as in like, did you, did you have an a, a, your MMA agent or like an, a, you got an acting agent after that? Well, I'm sorry. Let me just clarify that. Sure. So no, I, I should have cleared that myself. So yes, I did get in, uh, an acting agent. Um, she was just strictly extra in background. Mm-hmm. Um, my getting into the acting part. Now I have an actual manager mm-hmm. for acting because gotcha. I now I'm considered an actor because I had lead, ro- lead roles and speaking parts. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's totally different, totally different person. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then what did you do after you got the agent and you're waiting for the, the what was the next role you did? So after Magnificent Seven, um, I was in the space between us. Um, after that, uh, before I should go way back before that. So I was actually in the TV series called In Plain Sight. Okay. I played a uh, sergeant. Okay. Um, after that, then I did Magnificent Seven. Then I did In Plain Sight. Um, and then I got this role where the movie just came out for The Pandering. And that was my first lead lead role. What was that like having your first lead role? What was the nerves different than MMA nerves when you're when you're going for a fight? What were the nerves like for that? Oh yes, definitely. <laughs> um, it went from you know being an extra, being in the background, where you know the cameras are around you, but you're not really worried about it mm-hmm. because yeah, if they get you, they get you. If they don't, they don't. Yeah. You're just there, you know, helping out. Um, to being a lead role having the camera on you 24 seven, like right in your face or right next to you or in front of you and not, you have to focus on doing your part, doing your speaking parts without looking at the camera or mm. even thinking it's there. Yeah. Yes. It's totally, totally nerve wracking. <laughs> uh, how did you get that role? Like what, what was the process for you? Like how, how did the casting go? Did you have any bumps in the road when they were casting or did you like, 
milk, like boom, you got that easy. You rocked it. Uh, what was that whole process for you like, especially especially for your first lead uh, role? So, so believe it or not, it was my cousin because my cousin has the same name as me. His name is Tony Pagliaro. I'm mm-hmm. um, Anthony Pagliaro. He's all, hey. You know, I noticed we had the same names. Where are you from? What's this? What that? And you see if you, you know, we got into being related or not related. Yeah. Um, and he actually has his own uh, production company where he loans out vehicles like police cars, ambulances, mm-hmm. taxis, you know, things like that. Does the uniforms part. He's all, yeah. I have this one producer that has got a movie coming up and I think you fit perfect for the detective in this part. And I'm like, okay, give him my information. Tell him to hit me up. Mm-hmm. So two days later, the producer called me. He says, hey, how you doing? You know, we talked on the phone for a little bit. He told me about the role, where it was going to be filmed, what the process was. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to audition. He goes, well, great. You got the part. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, huh? What? 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 what wait, what'd you just say? <laughs> but he says, uh, you know, I already looked at your background. I've already watched your YouTube videos. I've watched you on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a little feedback from, you know, your casting casting agent and uh your manager now and i i love you for the part and i think you fit good i'm like sure when do we start nice so uh that's awesome that's that's like that's really awesome like got it don't worry uh yeah so you play a detective did you do any research on being a detective did you know anyone who is a detective did you did you what was your research for that role Um, the research for that role, believe it or not, was I watched, I watched a lot of movies with detectives in it, um, watching NCIS, Mm. CSI, um, I kind of got a big influence from those, Mm -hmm. seeing how they act, seeing how they move, um, and then as far as the action part of the movies that I, you know, the parts in there, I kind of did on my own, and I just influenced myself, you know, fighting, along with the jujitsu, along with, you know, all the methods i know i just kind of did that on my own nice and uh, what was your best day on set and what was the worst day on set for you my best day i would have to say was the gunfight um my worst day um if i had to think about it was probably the first day of filming all right tell me the story about the best day with the gunfight then i want you to tell me about the worst day so let's start with the gunfight what was so, what was so, what was the best, why was it the okay. best day? So, so that day is actually when I became a labeled as a stuntman because mm-hmm. I actually did the part myself. Nice. Um, we started doing the lines and he's all, hey, you know, you're going to be shooting here, you're going to be shooting there, it's going to be a gunfight. He gave me the whole aspect of the whole environment. Mm-hmm. And he's all, have fun with it. So uh, I said, okay. So, you know, I went out there, did my thing. Yeah. I can't say what exactly it is so people can actually watch the movie. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, so, what about the worst day? But, yeah. Oh. And I, I just fell in love with it. Oh. Um, I apologize. I think I cut you off. I, I, I apologize. I think, I think it, um, there's a pause, so I, I apologize again about that. <laughs> um, I, so, I, I, if we can go back, I uh, you said... Watched the movie, then I, I heard nothing for a second, so I think there was a delay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say exactly what happens, but of course I want people to watch the movie, so I'm not going to say too much. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> and um, 
And then what was the worst day? The first day of filming was your worst day. That it was just nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. Um, having the cameras there, having everybody, you know, putting makeup on you, getting you dressed, giving you a haircut, making sure you're shaved right. Just all the attention on you. It's so it's over. I think it's more overwhelming. So I think that's why it felt like the worst day because yeah. all the attention was on me. Mm-hmm. And I just had to concentrate on my part, concentrate on the lines and having that everybody around you kind of just throws you off. Gotcha. Well, um, well, being a lead, it, it's a big responsibility. Do you, did you take, hmm, try to figure this being the lead and being a first time lead. What takeaways did you learn from that? And what, things can you bring into your next production that you're going to, when you, your next film? The difference between background work and being an extra and actually having a lead role, I see the different side of of actors Mm -hmm. um, on how some of them are really stuck up and think they're the, pardon my French, but think they're the shit um, compared to other actors where they actually study, um, get into their part, do their research, um, do what they have to, to in order to make that role possible. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, Jamie Foxx playing Ray Charles. Uh, he actually, you know, glued his eyes shut, walked around his house for two months, learned everything that Ray Charles did. You know, he learned how to be blind, learned how to do this, yeah. focused everything on that part. So it's a big, 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 big influence. Yeah. That's, that's, that's awesome. I, I did not know about that, about the Ray Charles thing. That's crazy. I, shit, I'm blind already with my contacts out. <laughs> Holy fuck. Not, shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, so after the pandering, right, uh, what was it? What's the next thing? What's been the next movie that you're doing? Are you, do, what's, What's in the pipeline there? So we've, I've actually gotten another part since then, and it's been in the works for since COVID started. Okay. And of course with COVID, they shut down studios. They shut down a lot of filming areas. So we've been doing a lot of um, Zoom auditions or Zoom practicing. Um, I actually got another lead role as another detective in uh, the movie called Fear for Life. Nice, nice. Uh, any any ideas when those start? Hopefully, I hope. Fingers crossed for you. Hopefully, they start soon and COVID's hopefully done. Yeah. So as of right now, they have the area they want to film at. They have the studio uh, area where they want to film at. The producer says we can start filming now, mm. but with all this, you know having mask on, having this, having that, and doing phone all the pro- protocols. He doesn't want to waste money on that. He'd rather waste money on the actual movie. So he's saying probably towards the middle of March or June. Oh, okay, nice. Well, I, I mean, hey, we're like, we're recording this now in two months, two months away from March. So hopefully that's, a good, hopefully uh, I hope for the best and it, and it works out and you guys actually start filming in March. That'd be awesome. Um, but also, uh, any other projects before I ask you about your book? Um, 
other than my book, I would have to say no. Um, I'm working on part two of my book. It's going to be a, a three-part series. Okay. Um, so other than that, nothing. So, so let me ask you about the book then. Uh, when did you start writing it? Did you write during COVID? Did you write, you know, when did you start get the idea for the book? Um, I've actually had that book stashed away for probably a good five, six years. Okay. I decided um, this year, um, due to because I am also a uh, registered nurse and wellness coach. So I talk to clients um, Tuesday through Friday, um, helping them get better, you know, their mindset, their fitness journey, you know, weight loss, weight gain, whatever they want to do. And I always tell them, don't die with your dreams. Don't die with, what was that? Don't die with what? So that's what kind of pushed me. Don't die with your dreams. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Copy that. Sorry, I didn't hear you. So I kind of, that, that was a big influence for me. And I just said, you know what? Pardon my French, but fuck it. I'm going to publish it. Um, I was a little worried because it is an autobiography. Mm-hmm. And it is about me, my personal life, my upbringing, what I went through. Um, so as you know, sometimes people like to hold grudges or hold that yeah. against you. So that's one big reason why it was so hard to actually push the public button. Gotcha. Was it hard for you to personally write as well, being an autobiography? Yes. There was a lot of times that I, I, I broke down in tears or I would, I'd have to just stop and, you know, recompose and take a couple of deep breaths and then start writing again. Gotcha. Man, uh, I haven't read the book yet. I'm going to. I just have to figure out the whole Kindle situation because I have Kindle, but I will read it. I promise you, and I will let you know how what I think about it. So I apologize. I was actually gonna read, start reading it today, but I was like, "Fuck! I don't have part of my French. Fuck! I don't have Kindle, so I need to figure out what to do <laughs> with, with that." <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I will read it, um, and I will get. I will. I will get back to you on that. So I. I'm maybe I'm being honest and truthful and transparent with you. <laughs> so, so also, you're a personal trainer and nutritionist, and you, um, so how'd you get, how'd you get into that stuff too? So, being in the medical field and growing up in the medical field, I've always seen that side of it. Mm-hmm. You know, always seeing people injured, car accidents, um, fires trying to take care of them and bring them to the hospital or actually being in the hospital and taking care of them. Then um, I decided, you know what? I can make a difference. You know, I know so much on the medical side and I know the fitness aspect of it because of being an MMA. Yeah. Um, why not get my personal trainer license and my nutritional license and prevent them from actually coming to the hospital or mm-hmm. pre- prevent them from actually getting to that point? Yeah. I have to ask you, as a nutritionist, what what are your thoughts on keto? Because I just started that diet. There's a lot of people that like keto. Yeah. There's a lot of people that don't. I am one of those people that don't. Because okay. <laughs> I'm I'm like what two days? I think I'm two days in with my fiance, and I'm like, I need 
fucking M and M's. I can't. <laughs> I can't right now. <laughs> so I will say keto does work for certain people, but it does more harm than it does good. Um, keto is for the triathletes, you know, CrossFit athletes okay. that are constantly training, that are constantly working out. Um, if you're just doing it to lose weight, yes, it works for that time that you're trying to lose weight. But as soon as you stop the diet, you gain it all back. Gotcha. What would what would be? Let me ask you now. I'm not asking about my personal fucking weight, but like, what would be the best diet for someone like me who wants to just lose weight? Are you working out? Uh, no, but I carry a camera all day at work. <laughs> well, that's working out in and out right. there. That works. I go up and down stairs. You know, I walk around. Um, I would personally, if I, if I were your nutritionist or if I were your personal training coach, mm. um, I would get you on a week detox. Okay. And then I would slowly, um, I, I don't like to push people or jump or give them a recipe or give them a nutrition plan right away. Yeah. I like to take one thing away every week. Okay. All right. I have to try that. I'm going to try that actually. Cause I think that's a lot easier than me trying to just go straight keto and be like, I can do this. And then like three days later, I'm eating a cheeseburger from Jack in the Box and I regret everything I just did. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I know a lot of people like that. (laughs) Like instead of uh, keto, it's Cheeto. (laughs) Exactly. I have a couple of clients and I've actually caught them where they come to my, you know, about the personal training session or they come to the nutrition session and then I'll see him, you know, down the road or I'll see him next door at, you know, Little Caesars. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and they go, it's cheat day. <laughs> <laughs> Don't judge me. I want pizza. <laughs> oh, shit. So let me let me ask you this. Uh, you're, you know, you're kind of in the film. You're in the film industry and stuff like that. And I like to ask people about the, the community. Um and like the the strengths and weaknesses and the things that we can do to improve. Now, in a general sense, you seem like you travel for your movies and stuff like that. You're you're kind of going all over the place, if I'm correct. So you're kind of not in one community, but from the communities that you've seen, let me ask you that it'd be more general general about it. What have you seen like strength wise uh, in those communities and weakness wise, and like what are things that you think they can do to improve the community? If if I may ask you those questions. Um, growing up, I was always constantly moving, being in the service. I was constantly moving, um, being a fighter and being in the acting industry. I'm, I'm always traveling. Mm-hmm. So I see a lot of different environments, different, lot of communities. I will say the biggest thing is care for each other. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, you know, taking consideration what other people think. Or their health, you know, just because you don't think, I hate to use this, but just because you don't think you're going to get COVID mm. doesn't mean the next you know, the person that next to you doesn't have underlying conditions, you know, diabetes, yeah. heart problems or something like that. So always taking take consideration of, of the word I can, I can use elders. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. I mean, that's, that's a big thing, especially like, 
and I'm not going to try to get political about it, but like the people that do the no mask thing, I mean, I hate, I, I, I don't like this whole mask that shit, but I res, I respect, and I have, I feel like it's civil respect to put on the mask, like you said, for the people that you don't know who have the underlying conditions. Like my best friend uh, has cystic fibrosis, so I totally I'm like, all right, I got to wear the mask. For, like you know, it's I'm saving his life, not just mine, but I'm also saving his. So I totally, I totally respect, I totally get what you're saying there. Um, any, any, any other strengths that you've seen in those communities b- besides caring for one another? Um, other than the religious outlook of communities, um, I would have to say the difference is that. Religious outlook in the sense of film communities, um, if I may ask. Religious. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was asking because you said uh, religious communities, and I, 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 I um, did you mean like religious communities in the film communities themselves, like religious sections in the community? Is that what you're talking about? Correct. Yes. Okay. So there's a lot of. You can tell in the different parts of the community, just like in any other state, there's the bad parts, there's the good parts, mm. there's the community watch areas. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, what are some weaknesses you see in the film community? What 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 are they doing like that? You're like, well, this is kind of like a weakness for them. You know, what I mean. As far as the film industry, getting back to what I said earlier, um, there are actors and then there's actors. Yeah. Um, just like with any field, you know, the medical field, um, job field, yeah. you have, you know, like I say, a doctor mm-hmm. or a doctor. You have, for example, us, an actor who takes love and, and enjoys their career, um, does the training, does the background work, does the, the, you know, the knowledge work. Yeah. And they enjoy everybody around them because they know they wouldn't be there if it wasn't for, you know, their family, their friends, everybody pushing them or them pushing themselves. Gotcha. And then what do you think communities can do, film community, film communities can do to get to the next level and level up their community, their film community? I think the biggest thing, the biggest thing is not being stuck up. Mm. You know, you're you're an actor. You have people working at you. You have people looking up to you. Yeah. Um. You have kids looking up to you. You want you want people to look at you and saying, "Hey, he's doing this for the community. He's doing this for himself. We should follow him and go along with him. Not be up that you know that stuck up actor and I'm the shit and you know yeah. I got here because I did it. You you had nothing to do with it type of person. Gotcha. And uh, oh my God, blanked out on the question. Whoa, okay. Never mind. Skip it. Okay, so any other any other things that can help enhance the community and get to the next level? Anything else that you want to add to that as well? Is there anything? Offhand, not really, no. I, don't, I, I think just, you know, look out for each other, yep. care for each other, uplift, uh, you know, each and every person. Yeah. Don't put them down. Don't be negative. Just be positive all around. Gotcha. I think that's that's perfect, and and it kind of segues into the end. We're coming to the end of the show, and I have two questions left for you. And one is, would you like to give away your social media? 
Oh, <laughs> more than yes. <laughs> <laughs> what what is the social? So I'm on Instagram as tapout8363. Okay. Um, also on my Instagram, I have my Linktree account, um, www.linktr.ee slash topgun33. Okay. And it has my Facebook, YouTube channel, um, my sponsors, and it has everything on there. Nice. I, 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 know, I love Linktree. That shit's awesome. <laughs> That's, I, when I found out about that site, that thing was that thing's awesome. Great, great site. Great site, by the way. Um, and last question for you. Is what's that? I know you've been you've been dropping nuggets all day on this podcast, but what's that last golden nugget you want to drop to people that are listening to this podcast? Be yourself. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't die with your dreams. Encourage others and encourage yourself. Well said. Great ending and great button for the podcast, Anthony. I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was a pleasure to talk to you and a pleasure to get to know you. Um, and again, guys, you can listen to the podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, TuneIn Radio, Anchor, Stitcher, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Pandora, I believe, as well, and other places that you can find podcasts. We are most likely on there. Again, guys, I can't do this without my frame chasers, and I'm just trying to bring knowledge to all you listeners out there, and I hope you're gaining some great, valuable information and learning something from it because we all have a story, and we all go through things at the same time or at different times, and I hope that the people that are on the show keep inspiring you to chase those frames. Again, Anthony, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And episode 70, 73, guys. Again, have a great day, have a great week, have a great month, have a great year, and we'll catch you next time on Chasing the Frame. That's 